Hello, and welcome to the DadCast. I'm your host, Chris Hale, and during each episode, I will read aloud a short story, poem, or academic, or scholarly article. The Iliad by Homer, Book 1, Argument, The Contention of Achilles and Agamemnon. In the War of Troy, the Greeks, having sacked some of the neighboring towns and taken from thence two beautiful captives, Chryseis and Briseis, allotted the first to Agamemnon and the last to Achilles. Chrysus, the father of Chryseis and priest of Apollo, comes to the Grecian camp to ransom her, with which the action of the poem opens in the tenth year of the siege. The priest, being refused and insolently dismissed by Agamemnon, entreats for vengeance from his god who inflicts a pestilence on the Greeks. Achilles calls a council and encourages Calacus to declare the cause of it, who attributes it to the refusal of Chryseis. The king, being obliged to send back his captive, enters into a furious contest with Achilles, which Nestor pacifies. However, as he had the absolute command of the army, he seizes on Briseis in revenge. Achilles, and discontent withdraws himself and his forces from the rest of the Greeks, and complaining to Thetis, she supplicates Jupiter to render them sensible of the wrong done to her son, by giving victory to the Trojans. Jupiter, granting her suit, incenses Juno, between whom the debate runs high, till they are reconciled by the address of Vulcan. The time of two and twenty days is taken up in this book, nine during the plague, one in the council and quarrel of the princes, and twelve for Jupiter's stay with the Ethiopians, to which to whose return Thetis prefers partition. The scene lies in the Grecian camp, then changes to Chrysa, and lastly to Olympus. Achilles' wrath to Greece, the direful spring of woes unnumbered, heavenly goddess sing. That wrath which hurled to Pluto's gloomy reign the souls of mighty chiefs untimely slain, whose limbs unburied on the naked shore, devouring dogs, and hungry vultures tore. Since the great Achilles and Atreides strove, such was the sovereign doom, and such the will of Jove. Declare, O muse, in what ill-fated hour sprung the fierce strife. From what offended power Latono's son a dire contagion spread, and heaped the camp with mountains of the dead. The king of men his reverent priest defied, and for the king's offense the people died. For Chrysus sought with costly gifts to gain his captive daughter from the victor's chain. Suppliant, the venerable father stands. Apollo's awful ensigns grace his hands. By these he begs, and lowly bending down, extends the scepter and the laurel crown. He sued to all, but chief implored for grace, the brother kings of Atreus' royal race. Ye kings and warriors, may your vows be crowned, and Troy's proud walls lie level with the ground. May Jove restore you, with your toils are o'er, safe to the pleasures of your native shore. But, oh, relieve a wretched parent's pain, and give Chryseis to these arms again. If mercy fail, yet let my presence move, and dread avenging Phoebus, son of Jove. The Greeks in shouts their joint assent declare, the priest to reverence, and release the fair. Not so, Atreides, he, with kingly pride, repulsed the sacred sire, and thus replied, Hence on thy life, and fly these hostile plains, nor ask presumptuous what the king detains. Hence, 
with thy laurel crown and golden rod, nor thrust too far these ensigns of thy God. Mine is thy daughter, priest, and shall remain, and prayers and tears and bribes shall plead in vain. Till time shall rifle every youthful grace, and age dismiss her from my cold embrace, and daily labors of the loom employed, or doomed to deck the bed she once enjoyed. Hence, then, to Argos shall the maid retire, far from her native soil and weeping sire. The trembling priest along the shore return, and in the anguish of a father mourned, disconsolate, not daring to complain, silent he wandered by the sounding main, till safe at distance to his God he prays, the God who darts around the world his rays. O Sminthius, sprung from the fair Latona's line, thou guardian, power of Scylla the divine, thou source of light, whom Tenotus adores, and whose bright presence gilds thy Chrysus shores. If e'er with wreaths I hung thy sacred fane, or fed the flames with fat of oxen slain, god of silverbrow, thy shafts employ, avenge thy servant, and the Greeks destroy. Thus Chrysus prayed, the favoring power attends, and from Olympus lofty tops descends. Bent was his bow, the Grecian hearts to wound. Fierce as he moved, his silver shafts resound. Breathing revenge, a sudden night he spread, and gloomy darkness rolled about his head. The fleet in view, he twanged his deadly bow, and hissing fly the feathers fate below. On mules and dogs the infection first began, and last the vengeful arrows fixed in man. For nine long nights, through all the dusky air, the pyres, thick flaming, shot a dismal glare. But ere the tenth revolving day was run, inspired by Juno, Thetis's godlike son, convened to counsel all the Grecian train, for much of the goddess mourned her heroes slain. The assembly seated, rising o'er the rest, Achilles, thus the king of men, addressed. Why leave we not the fatal Trojan shore? and measure back the seas we crossed before, the plague destroying whom the sword would spare, tis time to save the few remains of war. But let some prophet or some sacred sage explore the cause of great Apollo's rage, or learn the wasteful vengeance to remove by mystic dreams, for dreams descend from Jove. If broken vows this heavy curse have laid, let altars smoke and hecatombs be paid. So heaven atoned shall dying Greece restore, and Phoebus dart his burning shafts no more he said, and sat. When Calchas thus replied, Calchas the wise, the Grecian priest and guide, the, the sacred seer, whose comprehensive view the past, the present, and the future knew. Uprising slow, the venerable sage thus spoke the prudence and the fears of age. Beloved of Jove, Achilles, wouldst thou know why angry Phoebus bends his fatal bow? First, give thy faith and plighteth prince's word of sure protection by thy power and sword. For I must speak what wisdom would conceal, and truths invidious to the great reveal. Bold is the task when subjects grown too wise instruct a monarch where his error lies. For thou we deem the short-lived fury past. Tis sure the mighty will revenge at last. To whom, Pelides, from thy inmost soul speak what thou knowst, and speak without control. E'en by that God I swear who rules the day, to whom thy hands the vows of, Grecian, of Greece convey, and whose blessed oracles thy lips declare, 
Long as Achilles breathes this vital air, no daring Greek of all the numerous band against this priest shall lift an imp- impious hand. Not even the chief by whom our hosts are led, the king of kings shall touch that sacred head. Encouraged thus, the blameless man replies, Nor vows unpaid, nor slighted sacrifice, but he, our chief, provoked the raging pest, Apollo's vengeance for his injured priest, nor will the gods awaken fury cease. But plague shall spread, and funeral fires increase, till the great king, without a ransom paid to her own Chrysa, sin the black-eyed maid. Perhaps... With added sacrifice and prayer, the priest may pardon and the God may spare. The prophet spoke. When, with a gloomy frown, the monarch started from his shining throne, black collar filled his breast that boiled with ire, and from his eyeballs flashed the living fire. Augur accursed, denouncing mischief still, prophet of plagues forever boding ill. Still must that tongue some wounding message bring, and still thy priestly pride provoke thy king? For this are Phoebus' oracles explored, to teach the Greeks to murmur at their lord? For this with falsehood is my honor stained. Is heaven offended and a priest profaned? Because my prize, my beauteous maid I hold, and heavenly charms prefer to proffered gold? A maid unmatched in manners as in face, skilled in each art and crowned with every grace. Not half so dear were Clemenestra's charms when first her blooming beauties blessed my arms. Yet, if the gods demand it, let her sail. Our cares are only for the public weal. Let me be deemed the hateful cause of all and suffer rather than my people fall. The prize, the beauteous prize, I will resign, so dearly valued and so justly mine. But since for common good I yield the fair, my private loss let grateful Greece repair. Nor unrewarded let your prince complain that he alone has fought and bled in vain. Insatiate king, Achilles thus replies, fond of the power, but fonder of the prize. Wouldst thou the Greeks their lawful prey should yield, the due reward of many a well-fought field? The spoils of cities raised and warriors slain. We share with justice as with toil we gain, but to resume whate'er thy avarice craves, that trick of tyrants may be born of slaves? Yet if our chief for plunder only fight, the spoils of Ilion shall thy loss requite. When e'er by Jove's decree our conquering power shall humble to the dust her lofty towers. Then thus the king, Shall I my prize resign with tame content, and thou possess it of thine? Great as thou art, and like a god in fight, think not to rob me of a soldier's right. At thy demand shall I restore the maid? First, let the just equivalent be paid, such as a knight might ask, and let it be a treasure worthy her, and worthy me. Or grant me this, or with a monarch's claim. This hand shall see some other captive dame. The mighty Ajax shall his prize resign. Ulysses' spoils, or even thine own, be mine. The man who suffers loudly may complain. And rage he may, but he shall rage in vain. But this, when time requires, it now remains. We launch a bark to plow the watery plains and waft the sacrifice to Christ's shores, with chosen pilots and with laboring oars. Soon shall the fair, the sable ship ascend, and some deputed prince the charge attend. 
this crate is king, or Ajax shall fulfill. Or wise Ulysses, see, performed our will. Or, if your royal pleasure shall ordain, Achilles self-conduct, self-conductor o'er the main. Let fierce Achilles, dreadful in his rage, the god propitiate and the pest assuage. At this, Pelides, frowning stern, replied, O tyrant, armed with insolence and pride, inglorious slave to interest, ever joined with fraud, unworthy of a royal mind, what generous Greek, obedient to thy word, shall form an ambush, or shall lift the sword? What cause have I to war at thy decree? The distant Trovan, Trojans never injured me. To Pythia's realms no hostile troops they led. Safe in her vales my warlike coursers fed. Far hence removed the horse-resounding main. In walls of rocks secure my native reign, whose fruitful soil luxuriant harvest is graced rich in her fruits and in her martial race. Hither we sailed, a voluntary throng, to avenge a private, not a public wrong. What else to Troy the assembled nations draw? But thine ungrateful and thy brother's cause. Is this the pay our blood and toils deserve, disgraced and injured by the man we serve? And darest thou threat to snatch my prize away, due to the deeds of many a dreadful day? A prize as small, O tyrant, matched with thine, as thine own actions if compared to mine. Thine in each conquest is thy is the wealthy prey, though mine the sweat and danger of the day. Some trivial present to my ships I bear, or barren praises pay the wounds of war. But no, proud monarch, I'm thy slave no more. My fleet shall waft me to Thessalia's shore, left by Achilles on the Trojan plain, what spoils, what conquests shall Atreides gain? To this the king, fly, mighty warrior, fly. Thy aid we need not, and thy threats defy. There want not chiefs in such a cause of fight. And Jove himself shall guard a monarch's right. Of all the kings, the gods distinguished care. To power superior, none such hatred bear. Strife and debate thy restless soul employ. And wars and horrors are thy savage joy. If thou hast strength, t'was heaven that strength bestowed. For no vain man, thy valor is from God. Haste, launch thy vessels, fly with speed away, rule thy own realms with arbitrary sway. I heed thee not, but prize at equal rate thy short-lived friendship and thy groundless hate. Go, threat thy earth-born myrmidians. But here, tis mine to threaten, prince, and thine to fear. No, if the god, the beauteous dame, demand, my bark shall waft her to her native land. But then prepare, imperious prince, prepare, fierce as thou art, to yield thy captive fair. Even in thy tent I'll seize the blooming prize, thy love, Briseis, with radiant eyes. Hence shalt thou prove my might. And cursed the hour thou stoodst a rival of imperial power, and thence to all our host it shall be known that kings are subject to the gods alone. Achilles heard with grief and rage oppressed, his heart swelled high and labored in his breast, distracting thoughts by turns his bosom ruled, now fired by wrath and now by reason cooled, that prompts his hand to draw the deadly sword forced through the Greeks, and pierced their haughty lord. 
This whisper soft as vengeance to control and calm the rising tempest of his soul. Just as in anguish of suspense he stayed while half unsheathed appeared the glittering blade. Minerva's swift descended from above, sent by the sister and the wife of Jove, for both the princes claimed her equal care. Behind she stood, and by the golden hair Achilles seized. To him alone confessed a sable cloud concealed her from the rest. He sees, and sudden to the goddess cries, known by the flames that sparkle from her eyes, descends Minerva in her guardian care, a heavenly witness of the wrongs I bear from Atreus' son. Then let those eyes that view the daring crime behold the vengeance too. Forbear the progeny of Jove replies, to calm thy fury I forsake the skies. Let great Achilles to the god resigned to reason yield the empire over his mind. By awful Juno this command is given. The king and you are both the care of heaven. The force of keen reproaches let him feel, but sheath obedient thy revenging steel. For I pronounce and trust a heavenly power. Thy injured honor has its fated hour. When the proud monarch shall thy arms implores and bribe thy friendship with a boundless store. Then let revenge no longer bear the sway. Command thy passions and the gods obey. To her Pelides, with regardful ear, tis just, O goddess, I thy dictates here. Hard as it is, my vengeance I suppress. Those who revere the gods, the gods will bless. He said, observant of the blue-eyed maid, then in the sheath returned the shining blade. The goddess swift to high Olympus flies and joins the sacred synod of the skies. Nor yet the rage his boiling breast forsook, which thus redoubling on a treaty's broke. O monster mixed of insolence and fear, thou dog in forehead, but in heart a deer. When wet thou known in ambush fights to dare, or nobly face the horrid front of war. Tis ours, the chance of fighting fields to fry, to try. Thine to look on, and bid the valiant die. So much to safer through the camp to do, and rob a subject than despoil a foe. Scourge of thy people, violent and base, sent in Jove's anger on a slavish race, who lost to, to sense the generous freedom past, are tamed to wrongs, or this had been thy last. Now by this sacred scepter hear me swear, which never more shall leaves or bosoms bear, which severed from the trunk, as I from thee, on the bare mountains left its parent tree, this scepter formed by tempered steel to prove an ensign of the delegates of Jove, from whom the power of laws and justice springs, tremendous oath inviolate to kings. By this I swear, when bleeding Greece again shall call Achilles, she shall call in vain." When flushed with slaughter, Hector comes to spread the purpled shore with mountains of the dead. Then shall thou mourn the affront thy madness gave, forced to deplore when impotent to save, then rage and bitterness of soul to know this act has made the bravest Greek thy foe. He spoke, and furious, hurled against the ground his scepter, starred with the golden studs around, then sternly silent sat. With like disdain, the raging king returned his frowns again. To con their passion with the words of age, slow from his seat arose the Pylian sage, experienced Nestor, in persuasion skilled, words sweet as honey from his lips distilled. Two generations now had passed away, wise by his rules and happy by his sway, to aid his or his native realm he reigned, and now the example of the third remained, all viewed 
with awe the venerable man, who thus, with mild benevolence, began. What shame, what woe is this to Greece, what joy to Troy's proud monarch and the friends of Troy, that adverse gods commit to stern debate, the best, the bravest of the Grecian state. Young as ye are, this youthful heat restrain, nor think your Nestor's years and wisdom vain. A godlike race of heroes once I knew, such as no more these aged I shall view. Lives there a chief to match Perithius's fame, Dryas the bold or Sinaeus' deathless name. Theseus, endued with more than mortal might, or Polyphenius, like the gods of fight. With these of old to toils of battle bred, in early my youth my hardy days I led, fired with the thirst which virtuous envy breeds, and smit with love of honorable deeds. Strongest of men, they pierce the mountain boar, range the wild deserts red with monsters gore. And from their hills the shaggy centaurs tore, yet these with soft persuasive arts I swayed. When Nestor spoke, they listened and obeyed. If in my youth even these esteemed me wise, do you, young warriors, hear my age advice? Atreides, seize not on the beauteous slave, that prize the, Gleek, the Greeks by common suffrage gave, nor thou, Achilles, treat our prince with pride. Let kings be just and sovereign power preside. Thee with verse honors of the war adorn, like gods in strength and of goddesses born. Him, awful majesty, exalts above the powers of earth and sceptred sons of Jove. Let both unite with well-consenting mind. Social authority with strength be joined. Leave me, O king, to calm Achilles' rage. Rule thou my, thyself as more advanced in age. Forbid it, gods. Achilles should be lost, the pride of Greece and bulwark of our host. This said, he ceased. The king of men replies, Thy years are awful and thy words are wise. But that imperious, that unconquered soul, no laws can limit, no respect control. Before his pride must his superiors fall, his word the law, and he the lord of all? Him must our host, our chiefs, ourselves obey? What king can bear a rival in this sway? Grant that the gods his matchless force have given, has foul reproach a privilege from heaven? Here on the monarch's speech Achilles broke, and furious thus in interrupting spoke, Tyrant, I well deserve thy galling chain, to live thy slave, and still to serve in vain. Should I submit to each unjust decree? Command thy vassals, but command not me. Seize Ambrisius, whom the Grecians doomed, my prize of war, yet tamely see resumed. And seize secure, no more Achilles draws his conquering sword in a, any woman's cause. The gods command me to forgive the past, but let this first invasion be the last. For know thy blood, when next thou darest invade, shall stream in vengeance on my reeking blade. At this they ceased, the stern debate expired, the chiefs in sullen majesty retired. Achilles, with Patroclus, took his way, where near his tents his hollow vessels lay. Meantime, Atreides launched with numerous oars a well-rigged ship for Chris's sh sacred shores. High on the deck was fair Chryseis placed, and sage Ulysses, with the conduct graced, safe at her sides, the hedicomb they stowed, then swiftly sailing, cut the liquid road. 
The host to expiate next the king prepares, with pure illustrations and with solemn prayers. Washed by the briny wave, the pious train are cleansed and cast the ambulations of the main. Along the shore, whole hecatombs were laid, and bulls and goats to Phoebus' altars paid. The sable fumes and the curling spires arise and waft their grateful odors to the skies. The army thus in sacred rites engaged, a treaty still with deep resentment raged, to wait his will two sacred heralds stood. Talthibius and Eurybates the good. Haste to the fierce Achilles' tent, he cries. Thence bear Briseus as our royal prize. Submit he must, or if they will not part, ourselves in arms shall tear her from his heart. The unwilling heralds act their lord's commands. Pensive, they walk along the barren sands. Arrived, the hero in his tent they find, with gloomy aspect on his arm reclined. At awful distance, long they silent stand, loath to advance and speak their hard command. Decent confusion, this the godlike man perceived and thus with accent mild began. With leave and honor enter our abodes, ye sacred minister of men, of, of men and gods, I know your message. By constraint you came. Not you, but your imperious lord I blame. Patroclus, haste, the fair Briseus bring. Conduct my cap captive to the haughty king. But witness, heralds, and proclaim my vow. Witness to gods above and men below. But first and loudest, to your prince declare that lawless tyrant whose commands you bear. Unmoved as death, Achilles shall remain. Though prostrate Greece shall bleed at every vein. The raging chief in frantic passion lost, blind to himself and useless at his host, unskilled to judge the future by the past, in blood and slaughter shall repent at last. Patroclus, now the unwilling beauty brought, she in soft sorrows and in pensive thought, passed silent as the heralds held her hand, and of looked back, slow moving o'er the sand, not so his loss the fierce Achilles bore, but sad, retiring to the sounding shore, o'er the wild margin of the deep he hung, that kindred deep from whence his mother sprung. There, bathed in tears of anger and disdain, thus loud lamented to the stormy main. O parent goddess, since in early bloom thy son must fall, by too severe a doom, sure to so short a race of glory born, great Jove in justice should his span adorn, honor and fame at least the thunder owed, and ill he pays the promise of a god. If yon proud monarch thus thy son defies, obscure my glories and resumes my prize. Far from the deep recesses of the main, where aged ocean holds his watery reign, the goddess mother heard. The waves divide, and like a mist she rose above the tide, beheld him mourning on the naked shores, and thus the sorrows of his souls explores. Why grieves my son? Thy anguish let me share. Reveal the cause and trust a parent's care. His deeply sighing said, To tell my woe is but to mention what too well you know. From Thebes, sacred to Apollo's name, Asian's realm, our conquering army came, with treasure loaded and triumphant spoils, whose just division crowned the soldiers' toils. But bright Chryseus, heavenly prize was led by votes selected to the general's bed. The priest of Phoebus sought by gifts to gain his beauteous daughter from the victor's chain, the fleet he reached, and now, lowly bending down, held forth the scepter and the laurel crown, entreating all, but chief implored for grace, the brother king of Atreus's royal race. The generous Greeks, 
their joint consent declare. The priest to reverence and release the fair. Not so a tribe. He, he with wanted pride, the sire insulted and his gifts denied. The insulted sire, his God's peculiar care, to Phoebus prayed and Phoebus heard the prayer. A dreadful plague ensues. The avenging darts incessant fly and pierce the Grecians' hearts. A prophet then, inspired by heaven, rose and points the crime and thence derives the woes. Myself, the first, the assembled chiefs inclined to avert the vengeance of the power divine. Then rising in his wrath, the monarch stormed and since he threatened and his threats performed, the fair Chryseis to her sire was sent with offered gifts to make the god relent. But now he sees Briseis' heavenly charms, and of my valor's prize defrauds my arms, defrauds the votes of all the Grecian train, and service, faith, and justice plead in vain. But goddess, thy, thou thy suppliant son attend, to high Olympus' shining court ascend, urge all the ties to former service owed, and sue for vengeance to the thundering god. Oft hast thou triumphed in the glorious boast that thou stoodst forth for all ethereal host. When bold rebellion shook the realms above, the undaunted guard of cloud-compelling Jove, when the bright partner of his awful reign, the warlike maid and monarch of the main, the traitor gods, by mad ambition driven, durst threat with chains of omnipotence of heaven. Then called by thee, the monster titan came, whom gods Briarius, men Agenon name, through wandering skies enormous stalked along. Not that the sh- not he that shakes the salt earth so strong, with giant stride at Jove's high throne he stands, and brandished round him all his hundred hands. The affrighted gods confessed their awful lord. They dropped the fetters and trembled and adored. This goddess, this to his remembrance call, embrace his knees at his triumphal tribunal fall. Conjure him far to drive the Grecian train, to hurl them headlong to their fleet and main, to heap the shores with copious dead, and bring the Greeks to know the curse of such a king. Let Agamemnon lift his haughty head o'er all his wide dominion of the dead, and mourn in blood that ere he durst disgrace the boldest warrior of the Grecian race. Thus replies, while tears celestial trickle from her eyes, why have I borne thee? with the mother's throes, to fates averse, and nursed for future woes, so short a space of the light of heaven to view, so short a space, and filled with sorrow too. Oh, might a parent's careful wish prevail, far, far from Ilion should thy vessel sail, and thou, from camps remote, the danger shun which now, alas, too nearly threats my son. Yet what I can, to move thy suit I'll go to great Olympus crowned with fleecy snow. Meantime, secure within thy ships, from far behold the field, not mingle in the war. The sire of gods and all the ethereal train, on the warm limits of the farthest main, now mix with mortals, nor disdain to grace the feasts of Ethiopia's blameless race. Twelve days the powers indulge the genial rite, returning with the twelfth revolving light, Then will I mount the brazen dome and move the high tribunal of immortal Jove. The goddess spoke, the rolling waves unclose. Then down the steep she plunged from whence she rose and left him soaring on the lonely coast in a wild resentment for the fare he lost. In Christ's port now sage Ulysses rode. Beneath the deck the destined victim stowed. 
the sails they furled, they lashed the mast aside, and dropped their anchors in the pinnix tide. Next on the shore, their head home they land, Chryseis last descending on the strand. Her, thus returning from the forward main, Ulysses led to Phoebus' sacred fane, where it is a solemn altar as the maid he gave to Chrysus, thus the hero said. Hail, reverend priest, to Phoebus' awful dome, a suppliant I from great Atreides come. Unransomed, here receive a spotless fare, accept the hecatomb the Greeks prepare. And may thy God, who scatters darts around, atoned by sacrifice, desist to wound. At this the sire embraced the maid again. So sadly lost, so lately sought in vain, then near the altar of the darting king, disposed in rank their hecatomb they bring. With water purify their hands and take the sacred offering of the salted cake. While thus the arm devoutly raised in air and solemn voice, the priest directs his prayer. God of the silver bow, thy ear incline, whose power circles Scylla the divine, whose sacred eye thy tenons surveys and gilds fair Chrysa with diminished rays. If fired to vengeance at thy priest's request, Thy direful darts inflict the raging pest. Once more attend, avert the wasteful woe, and smile propitious, and unbend thy bow. So Chrysus prayed, Apollo heard his prayer, and now the Greeks the hecatomb prepare. Between their horns the salted barley threw, and with their heads to heaven the victims slew. The limbs they sever from the enclosing hide, the thighs selected to the gods divide, on these, in double calls involved with art, the choicest morsels lay from every part. The priest himself before his altar stands and burns the offering with his holy hands, pours the black wine and sees the flames aspire. The youth with instruments surround the fire, the thighs thus sacrificed and entrails dressed, the assistants part, transfix and roast the rest. Then spread the tables, the repast prepare. Each takes his seat and each receives his share. When now the rage of hunger was repressed, with pure libations they conclude the feast. The youth with wine the copious goblets crowned, and please dispense the flowing bowls around. With hymns divine the joyous banquet ends. The paeans lengthen till the sun descends. The Greeks restored, the grateful notes prolong. Apollo listens and approves the song. Twas night, the chiefs beside their vessel lie, till rosy morn had purpled o'er the sky. Then launch and hoist the mast, indulgent gales supplied by Phoebus fill the swelling sails, the milk-white canvas bellying as they blow, the parted ocean foams and roars below. Above the bounding billows swift they flew, till now the Grecian camp appeared in view. Far on the beach they haul their bark to land, the crooked keel divides the yellow sand. Then part, where stretched along the winding bay, the ships and tents in mingled prospect lay. But raging still, amidst his navy sat the stern Achilles, steadfast in his hate. For mixed in combat, nor in council joined, but wasting cares lay heavy on his mind. In his black thoughts, revenge and slaughter roll, and scenes of blood rise dreadful in his soul. Twelve days were passed, and now the dawning light the gods had summoned to the Olympian height. Jove, first ascending from the watery bowers, leads the long order of ethereal powers. When, like the morning mist in early day, rose from the flood the daughter of the sea, and to the seats divine her flight addressed. 
There, far apart and high above the rest, the thunderer sat, where old Olympus shrouds his hundred heads in heaven and props the clouds, suppliant the goddess stood. One hand she placed beneath his beard, one his knee embraced. If e'er, O father of the gods, she said, my words could please thee, or my actions aid, some marks of honor on my son bestow, and pay in glory what in life you owe. Fame is at least by heavenly promise due to life so short and now dishonored too. Avenge this wrong, O ever just and wise. Let Greece be humbled and the Trojans rise, till the proud king and all the Achaean race shall heap with honors him they now disgrace. Thus Thetis spoke, but Jove in silence held the sacred counsels of his breast concealed. Not so repulsed, the goddess closer pressed, still grasped his knees and urged the dear request. O sire of gods and men, thy suppliant here, refuse or grant for what has Jove to fear. Or, O declare of all the powers above, is wretched Thetis least the care of Jove? She said, and sighing, thus the god replies, who rolls the thunderer or the vaulted skies? What hast thou asked? Ah, why should Jove engage in foreign contests and domestic rage? The gods' complaints and Juno's fierce alarms, while I, too partial, aid the Trojan arms? Go, lest the haughty partner of my sway with jealous eyes thy close access survey. But part in peace, secure thy prayer is sped. Witness the sacred honors of our head, the nod that ratifies the will divine, the faithful fixed irrevocable sign. This seals thy suit, and this fulfills thy vows. He spoke, and awful bends his sable brows, shakes his ambrosial curs, curls, and gives the nod, the stamp of fate and sanction of the god. High heaven with trembling the dread signal took, and all Olympus to the center shook. Swift to the seas profound the goddess flies, Jove to his starry mansions in the skies, the shining synod of the immortals wait the coming god, and from their thrones of state, arising, silent, wrapped in holy fear, before the majesty of heaven appear. Trembling they stand while Jove assumes the throne, all but the god-imperious queen alone. Late had she viewed the silver-footed dame, and all her passions kindled into flame. Say, artful manager of heavens, she cries, who now partakes the secrets of the skies? Thy Juno knows not the decree of fate, in vain the partner of immortal state. What favored goddess then those cares divides, which Jove in prudence from his consort hides? To this the thunderer, seek not thou to find the sacred counsels of almighty mind, involved in darkness, likes the great decree, nor can the depths of fate be pierced by thee. What fits thy knowledge, thou the first shalt know, the first of gods above and men below. But thou, nor they, shall search the thoughts that roll deep in the close recesses of my soul. Full on the sire, the goddess of the skies, rolled the large orbs of her majestic eyes, and thus returned, austere Saturnus, say, from whence this wrath, or who controls thy sway? Thy boundless will for me remains in force, and all thy counsels take the destined course. But tis for Greece I fear, for late was seen, in close consult, the silver-footed queen, Jove to his Thetis nothing could deny, nor was the signal vain that shook the sky. What fatal favor has the goddess won to grace her fierce, inexorable son? 
perhaps in Grecian blood to drench the plain and glut his vengeance with my people slain. Then thus the god, O restless fate of pride, that strives to learn what heaven resolves to hide, vain is the search, presumptuous and abhorred, anxious to thee and odious to thy lord. Let this suffice, the immutable decree, no force can shake what is what ought to be. Goddess, submit, nor dare our will withstand, but dread the power of this avenging hand. The united strength of all the gods above in vain resist the omnipotence of Jove. The thunderer spoke, nor durst the queen reply. A reverent horror silenced all the sky. The feast disturbed with sorrow Vulcan saw his mother menaced, and the gods in awe. Peace at his heart and pleasure his design, thus interposed the architect divine. The wretched quarrels of the moral state are far unworthy gods of our debate. Let men their days in senseless strife employ, we in eternal peace and constant joy. Thou, goddess mother, with our sire comply, nor break the sacred union of the sky. Lest, roused to rage, she shake the blessed abodes, launch the red lightning, and dethrone the gods. If you submit, the thunderer stands appeased, the gracious power is willing to be pleased. Thus Vulcan spoke, and rising with a bound, the double bowl with sparkling nectar crowned, which held to Juno in a cheerful way. Goddess, he cried, be patient and obey. Dear as you are, if Jove his arm extend, I can but grieve, unable to defend. What God so daring in your aid to move, or lift his hand against the force of Jove? Once in your cause I felt this matchless might unhurled headlong down from the ethereal height. Tossed all the day in rapid circles round, nor till the sun descended touched the ground. Breathless I fell, in giddy motion lost. The, the Scythians raised me on the Lemnian coast, he said, and to her hands the goblet heaved, which, with a smile, the white-armed queen received. Then to the rest he filled, and in his turn each of his lips applied the nectar's urn. Vulcan, with awkward grace, his office plies, and unextinguished laughter shakes the skies. Thus the blessed gods the genial day prolong. In feasts ambrosial and celestial song, Apollo turned the lyre, the muses round with voice alternate, aid the silver sound. Meantime, the radiant sun to mortal sight, descending swift, rolled down the rapid light. Then to their starry domes the gods depart, the shining monuments of Vulcan's art. Jove on his couch reclined his awful head, and Juno slumbered on the golden bed. The End of Book One Please take time to review the footnotes of the actual article as there is additional and relevant information. Thanks for listening to this episode. Don't forget to check the actual text for notes and additional information and graphics. And remember, every day is a learning day.